those guys are getting better at those videos every week. Those are great. Well, friends, welcome to The Well. Tonight, I am Scott. I'm one of the campus uh, pastors here with CM. And I want to wish, especially to our friends, uh, we got any Asian friends in the room tonight? Happy Lunar New Year. Anybody excited about that? Right on. Like, I know my, my, all my in-laws are Asians. My kids get, like, the best. It's like Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas, and then there's, like, this bonus holiday that none of their other friends get, right? You know what I'm talking about. Some of y'all have no idea what I'm talking about. It's okay. Uh, it's also, for everybody, the state of Michigan's 183rd birthday today. Isn't that exciting? Man, feeling good. And we're continuing our story through the story of the Bible. In our journey that we've been walking through this year, brother, I'm gonna, I don't want to step on your phone, and I'm just too inclined toward it. All right, great. Um, uh, in the journey we've been taking through our story and how God's story grasps us, all of our stories into this bigger story that God's writing, today we are in the section of the Bible known as the prophets. Now, a prophet, which is a fairly not prophets like we made extra money, but like prophets from the Bible, um, is a spokesperson for God. And they had this unique call and place in Scripture to listen for and to speak publicly to proclaim the word of the Lord to God's leaders and God's people. And actually, the, the works of the prophets make up 17 of the 39 books in the Old Testament. So almost half of the books in the Old Testament are the writings of God's prophets. So they're, they're kind of a big deal in the story. And this week, we're going to be looking at, um, the next two weeks, we're going through the prophets. This week, we're looking at major prophet. Next week, we're looking at minor prophets. And we've got just a quick breakdown of what those look like. They're not major because some are more important than others, but major because the major prophets write a lot more, and their ministry covers a lot more uh, span of time. So, for example, Isaiah, the very first prophet we encounter in Scripture, um, or the writings of the uh, prophet that we first encounter, has 66 books, or 66 poems and songs that, uh, that he speaks from God. And the last prophet, Malachi, has four. Right? So the minor prophets just have an awful lot less writing. Um, all of them are proclaiming this message during a time in uh, Judah and Israel's history when they had already broken apart. Right? So the, the works of the prophets are all after the breakdown from Solomon that we talked about last week. When the kingdom gets divided, there's a fairly minor civil war, but then lots of, uh, lots of war that inc uh, occurs not long after that. I'm getting a little bit of feedback, um, FYI. During the reign of the various kings uh, in the Old Testament, the Lord raises up a prophet to tell God's people and to tell the king what God was seeing and what God was going to do about it. And so, uh, in a time when a, there was a great deal of kind of rebellion against God or actively moving away from God or passively drifting into idolatry. During a season like that, you can imagine it was not a popular thing to be the prophet of God. Many of them had very brief lives, uh, and often the lives of the prophets are really hard. And that's certainly true for our friend Isaiah. He is one of the prophets that, li he, he is not one of the prophets, excuse me, that lived out in the wilderness, like I think a lot of times when you think about a prophet, we think like a John the Baptist or Elijah or somebody that kind of lives out in the wilderness away from everything. That is true for some of the prophets, like Amos, I love that guy, but that's not 
uh, Isaiah. Isaiah, actually, tradition tells us Isaiah is a member of the royal family. He's educated. He's talented. He could be sitting right there because he'd be a good Laker, right? Good-looking guy, educated, talented, upwardly mobile. Isaiah has things going for him, and yet Isaiah does not hold tightly to his privilege. But in fact, he is so deeply committed to following God and God's word in the midst of very challenging circumstances, so committed to that, that he relinquishes those privileges in order to proclaim this message. So in the context of Isaiah's life, where he, uh, around him, in the circles of things that he walks in in Jerusalem, right, the capital city, he lives in a politically, religiously, and economically volatile climate. It's in that context that Isaiah writes his 66 songs and poems, all with this very persistent call to holiness and this relentless hope in God's deliverance of uh, his promises. He's a little crazy. I mean, you know how creative types are. Some of y'all are creative types. Anybody willing to admit it? In the room? There you go. Thanks, Mary. Appreciate that. One creative type. Y'all are lying. There, Mom, okay, I got you. Over here, right there. Okay, good. That's all right. Be proud. Y'all are a little crazy. That's okay. Creative types. Isaiah's the kind of crazy that, you know, he spent about three years of his life barely wearing any clothes and walking around shoeless in order to get a point across. Um, so he, he's a little bit of an odd fella. I want you to hear from my good friend Isaiah tonight. Like, I want you to experience these challenging words, this persistent call that he has to righteousness and holiness. Like, I want you to experience that. I want you to feel in your gut the hope, the relentless hope that Isaiah brings in his messages of God's promises and God's redemption. So because of that, we're going to do things a little bit differently tonight. I'm just going to tell you what Isaiah says. Now, that's really hard for me because there's a whole lot of things I'd like to talk about. But I'm not going to. Well, maybe a little bit at the end. I'm really just going to let you hear the words of Isaiah the prophet. As I imagine he would have said them 2,700 years ago. Spoken word style. Isaiah, you got to, I want you to hear him and feel him like he's a truth teller, man. He's a spoken word poet. He's a street performer. I want you to experience him that way. So I'm going to tell you two of his poems that are from the early part of his life. Uh, chapter 6 and chapter 11. You don't have to follow along. I'd really rather you just hear it because they're in, really initially intended to be experienced. Um, so I just encourage you to just hear the word of uh, chapter 6 and chapter 11, uh, the early part of Isaiah's ministry. And during that time, actually, Israel's in a time of prosperity. You're going to hear the name Uzziah a couple of times in the first uh, bit of, uh, Israel, uh, of Isaiah. And Uzziah is the most prosperous king in the history of Judah outside of Solomon. So during the time that Isaiah starts his ministry, his early messages are to a people who have a, like a patriotic zeal and a lot of kind of chest bumping about who they are and about how powerful they are and how they're on the comeback. Right? That's, that's who Isaiah is talking to initially, but he had a long ministry in the 40 years after the 
beginning of his ministry, he has a very different message. And I want you to hear those as well. 53 and 61, I'm going to tell you as well. And those that come near the end of his ministry, he is talking to a, a group of people that have, they are no longer pounding their chest because they've got patriotic zeal and feel like they're going to conquer the world. They're pounding their chest because they're brokenhearted and wondering, does God, is God there? Does God care anymore? In that contrast, uh, all together, though, you're going to hear the message of my good friend, the prophet Isaiah. You ready to try this with me? Let me offer a prayer for us that the Holy Spirit would awaken us to, his, uh, to the word. Spirit of God, we do pray that you'd be poured out in this place in such a way tonight that Christ would be revealed to us in the word of Isaiah. And we ask that in that revelation, God, you would change us, that you would shape our hearts, God, toward the character of Christ. And through that, God, through that revelation and through that shaping, that we would also be equipped for the work that you have for us to do right here and right now on our campus and in the world. We ask that uh, with boldness and faith in Jesus' name. Amen. The vision concerning Judah and Jerusalem that Isaiah, son of Amos, saw during the reigns of Uzziah, Joash, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. The year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted. He was seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two, they covered their face. With two, they covered their feet. And with two, they flew. And as they flew, they cried out to one another, Holy! 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 Is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voice, the doorposts, and the thresholds of the temple shook, and it was filled with smoke. And I screamed, Ah! I'm ruined! I'm a man of unclean lips. I dwell among people of unclean lips. My eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hands, which he had taken with tongs from the altar, and with it he touched my lips. And he said to me, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. Your sin is atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord say, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? I'm here, Lord. Send me. Go. Tell this people. Be ever hearing, but never understanding. Be ever seeing but never perceiving. 
Make the heart of this people callous. Make their ears dull. Close their eyes. Otherwise, they may see with their eyes. Hear with their ears. Understand with their hearts. In turn, and I would heal them. And I said, for how long, Lord? And he said, until the cities are ruined and uninhabited. Until the houses are deserted and the fields ruined and ravished. Until the Lord has sent everyone far away and the land is utterly forsaken. If a tenth remains in the land, it will again be laid waste. But as a terebinth and an oak leaves a stump when it's cut down. So the holy seed will be a stump in the land and a shoot will rise from the stump of Jesse and from his roots a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of the knowledge of the fear of the Lord, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what his eyes see or make decisions based on what his ears hear, but with righteousness he will make judgment for the needy, and with justice he will make decisions for the poor of the earth, for he will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips. He will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt, faithfulness the sash around his waist. And in that day, oh, in that day, the wolf and the lamb, they'll live together. And the leopard will lay next to the baby goat. The calf, the yearling, and the lion, they'll all be led together by a child. The cow and the bear, they'll eat together. Their young will lay down together. And it a young lion will eat straw like an ox. An infant. He will play near a cobra's nest. And a young child, she'll stick her hand into a viper's nest. And they will not harm or destroy ever again on my holy mountain. For the whole earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord. Even as water covers the sea. Who would believe this message? Hmm? To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For this righteous servant grew up before him like a tender shoot, like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised, rejected, a man of sorrow, well acquainted with pain. The kind of person from whom people hide their face. He was despised. We held him with no esteem. He took up our pain 
bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquity. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. For we all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has gone his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shears is silent, he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. Yet, who of his generation protested? He was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people, he was punished. And yet, it was the Lord's will. It was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life a sin offering, he will see his offspring and prolong his days, and the will of God will prosper in his hands. For after he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many and bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion, says the Lord, among the great. He will divide the spoils with the strong, for he poured out his life unto death. Was numbered with the transgressors and bore their iniquity. For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for transgressors. So arise, shine, your light has come. And the glory of the Lord rises upon you. Darkness covers the earth. Oh, thick darkness is over all people. But the Lord rises on you and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to that light. Kings, to the glory of your dawn. Oh, the sovereign Lord, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. For the Lord has anointed me to proclaim this good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness those who are in prison, to proclaim this is the time of the Lord's favor, the day of reckoning of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, 
and a garment of praise over a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. Instead of shame, you will receive a double blessing. Instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance, and so you will inherit a double blessing and everlasting joy. It's yours. Oh, my soul delights greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God. He's clothed me in a robe of salvation, adorned me in a garment of righteousness. I'm like a bridegroom who adorns his head like a priest. I'm like a bride who adorns herself in jewels. For just as the soil causes a sprout to come up, just as a garden causes a seed to grow, so the sovereign Lord will cause righteousness and praise to spring up before the nations. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Isn't that a glorious word from Brother Isaiah? You got to be a creative type to hear the word that way, right? To hear the word from the Lord and be able to craft it in such a way, with such provocative images, challenging words. What a vision that God gave to Isaiah. You know what's interesting? When God gave it to Isaiah, there's no way that anybody could have imagined it. Remember when God gave that hard word at the very beginning to uh, Israel, or excuse me, to Judah, it was like the most prosperous time they'd ever been in since Solomon. Hard to imagine, and yet the word of God came. And at the end, when things were being destroyed and their enemies were surrounding them, and there was the question to God, does God care? Is God there? And yet the word of the Lord comes. Both cases, hard to imagine that the words of Isaiah could possibly be true. But God had given Isaiah a peek behind the curtain. He let him see a vision of what God was doing to tear down sin and injustice in the world and to raise up righteousness and praise and so, friends, there are kind of two different things that you can hear from the prophet Isaiah, I think, for us tonight, very briefly. To those who are comfortable with the status quo of the world, who enjoy the privileged lives, and who seek to leverage God's blessing for our own personal gain without concern for the vulnerable or for how our actions affect others to individuals and to whole communities who live in active or passive opposition to God and God's righteousness, the message of the prophet is a warning. God sees, God knows, God is coming. But that's not the only message. 
The message of the prophet is always two-sided. It's a double-edged sword. So the final word of the prophet is this glorious message that is so infused with hope. You can't hardly hope but feel it when you hear it. To those who have been beaten down by the sin and injustice of the world, to those who are most affected by the status quo of the way things are, beaten down either by crooked systems of injustice or by the, the reality of the way sin is operational in your own life and darkness seems to always pervade the spaces where you want it to be light. For those that are beaten down, individual or community, devastated by sin and injustice in the world, the word of the prophet comes. God sees you. God knows you. God is coming to save you. Oh, friends, Isaiah got just a peek behind the curtain. And what he saw was this double-edged message of judgment and hope. The promise that God was going to destroy sin and injustice. The promise that God was going to raise up life and beauty. God is coming, Isaiah says. And when he gets here, the whole earth is going to be full of the knowledge of the Lord, even as water covers the sea. And he just got a peek. One glimpse behind the curtain of history and what he sees is God is coming to wipe away all the ashes and to crown them with glory God see he sees God stepping into all the grief of this world and pouring out his joy he sees God coming into the midst of despair and engulfing it with praise He only got a peek. But friends, I have good news. 700 years after Isaiah described that vision to a people longing for redemption, 700 years to a people waiting for this promise to be fulfilled, wondering, does God still do this? Does God still care about us? Is he actually going to fulfill this promise? 700 years later, a young rabbi. His name is Deliverance. Jesus, he comes. And you know what his first sermon in his hometown of Nazareth? First one, regular Sabbath day in his hometown. What does Jesus do? Do you want to guess what text he opened up to read? Isaiah 61, baby. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom to captives, release from darkness to the prisoners, to proclaim this is the time of the Lord's favor. And he sits down and the very next thing he says, first word of the sermon, today. Today, this scripture is fulfilled. Today, Jesus says, beauty will cover up the ashes. Today, Jesus says, grief will be anointed with fear, or excuse, with joy, fear. Grief will be anointed with joy. Today, Jesus says, praise overcomes despair. Today is the day, Jesus says, God has seen, God does know, and God has come. The rescue operation of the ages has just started, Jesus says. What a day to be in church, huh? Wow. That was a good day to be in Nazareth. And because of that, friends, 
Because of this good news, we are invited to the table of Christ to receive Holy Communion tonight. There's two things you could have heard out of this message. There are lots of other things, but pretty much two categories that, uh, that come out of these passages in Isaiah. Some of you tonight, when you heard God's word, you heard the word of warning. You heard the word to repent, to turn your back on your participation in the sin and injustice of the world. You heard Isaiah tell you that those days are numbered. You heard the warning, but you also heard that the blood of Christ, the righteous servant, was poured out for you. He was pierced for your transgressions. By his wounds, you are healed. He makes intercession for the transgressors. If you heard a word of warning from the prophet tonight, friend, come. Come to Christ that his wounds can be for your healing come to his table and receive your healing tonight. If the word you heard from the Lord tonight was a word of hope, that God sees the darkness of your struggle, that God knows the bondage that you are imprisoned in, Christ has come. He has come to wipe away the ash he has come to anoint the pain. He has come to embrace the despair. Come to the table, friends, to the table of Christ in his presence that you might receive the beauty that he has for you, that you might receive the joy that he has for you, that you might receive the praise that he has for you. Come to the table of Christ tonight to receive from him. Friends, whether you heard a word of warning or you heard a word of hope, hear this word of invitation. He has made intercession for the transgressors. Your light has come. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, we are so grateful for your word and the word that came through our brother, the prophet Isaiah, and his word that comes to us, God, for those of us that heard a word of warning here tonight, God, because the, the ways of our life has been actively against you or has just been passively drifting away from you. For those of us that heard that word of warning, God, may the blood and the body of Christ's intercession be present to us tonight. May we experience it in all of its fullness as we come to your table in repentance. And for those of us, God, maybe the many of us here tonight who feel as though our lives are covered in darkness, who words like despair and mourning and shame resonate deep in our souls. Meet us here tonight in the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Crown those spaces, God. Shine your light into those spaces that the beauty might return to us. That joy might return to us. That we may again sing songs of praise. Hear our prayer, God. Do this and much more than we can imagine through the work of our Lord Jesus Christ, our great intercessor 
who right now even is interceding for us. We pray that in his name and we all say together, amen. Amen. God sees. God knows.